I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Do you like my fancy microphone? I do. You're <laughs> so fancy. So you're apparently in the office, not at home yes. with your red wall. If anyone notices the better sound, it's because I'm in the office with the proper microphone. Because I don't have... Actually, Sarah and I started this conversation before the podcast and I stopped and said, let's have this conversation on the podcast because I don't have Rosie tonight. So I can stay in the office extra time. We don't have to have her gaming in the background and I can just be here and record with you. Although it is between the seagulls in the office and Rosie at home. They're like, mom, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Or like pretty entertaining. (laughs) That's true. Maybe having a kid cooking in the background is is better than the seagulls. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's six of one, I think. (laughs) Oh man, I love but it. You mentioned how time, like once since you've become a mom, you know, that, that Hawk just went to day no, school, quote unquote, for the first time and that time will never be the same. And I couldn't agree more. Oh my goodness. I, so he, he went yesterday was his first day. And for the past couple of days, I'm like, I have more time. I have six hours, six hours. It just feels so luxurious. Mm-hmm. And I never would have felt that way before. Um, you know, even with more stuff on my plate now, like I have way more going on and it's still, it just, yeah, my total concept of time has just gone out the window. Yeah. It's wild, isn't it? So even for me right now, because I have like, a, you know, I have a co-parent and I don't have Rosie with me half the time. Right. So I have the days when, and on the days when I don't have her, I have like, I actually can finish everything. Like I actually get to a point in my day that I remember this from before parenting where like you kind of finish off everything you wanted to do for the day and you might have a couple hours left. Like that's just craziness, right? Like, whereas like the days when I have her, it's just like you go, you go. And at some point you have to stop because everybody has to eat, right? Or you have to get, I have to get Rosie to bed or like whatever the thing is I have to do. But um, yeah, definitely on those like amazing days when I don't have her and I can like, your time is your own, you know, and you actually have this sense of like completeness, which that's, I think what on the days when I'm mom days, mom on days, that's, I think what it is, is that like, you just, I personally just don't even feel like I draw a line under anything, you know, it's just like, I'm just kind of doing the best I can at all the things all through the day. Yeah. I, I feel that where that to-do list too many things get rolled over into the next day. <laughs> Let's be honest. Now, what's the big question is what's going to happen, you know, when the kids are out of the house? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I already do triathlon. It's not like I can ever, I can pick up a different, you know, sport that takes this many hours. 
like I don't know knitting or something I had to pick up something (laughs) I I do like I do think it's a real thing like I understand why people struggle either when kids leave or when they retire because when you have all that time back you know it it does feel different Um, or I can see how it feels different I think back to my 20s where I'm like I did not appreciate the time that I had and actually that's one thing I was going to say like just hearing you say going to up to the six hours from the two or four that you had previously, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, it does give you this sense of gratitude for your own time. Right. So I'm hoping maybe, um, I mean, I'm still several years away from Rosie leaving home, hopefully, but you know, um, when that does happen, maybe like that sense of gratitude will take me through. Like, I'll just be grateful that I can do a few more things that I, that are for me. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I still think I'm going to have to come up with a list of new hobbies. Um, But mostly it's just, you realize the way you structure your day, Mm -hmm. it, it has to, it changes. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why it is so hard for people during those big life transitions is that so much of the structure, like chaos is still structure. So the chaos of having kids in the house, like you remove that and like kind of that, that, foundation of your life you have to completely rebuild it yeah well and I think about you know I think I always say when I go to my dad's house right and he's created a routine for himself out of what compared to my chaos is kind of nothing like you know what I mean like it's kind of like really important that I know that at 10 30 in the morning he checks his emails and I can't be using the computer. <laughs> you know, like it's like things like that. But that sets his routine. Like that's really important to him. Like, even though he has the whole rest of the day to check his emails, it's because it's like his routine to check at 10:30. I'm just making that up. I don't know if it's 10:30, but it's at some point late in the morning where it's like that's email checking time. And that's how it is. And that creates meaning in his world. But it, it- It does speak to something that is really interesting about human nature is that we need, we need routine for structure Mm -hmm. to keep us feeling complete, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, that structure looks very different for different people. So it might be complete chaos or it can be like your 1030 email check, but it's so grounding. And I don't think I, I really appreciated that when I was younger. Yeah, it's so true. I especially appreciate it from when I was training. The times when I was training kind of 20-ish hours a week, which is quite a lot, and doing my quite a lot considering I was also doing my PhD kind of full time. And I it was a kind of situation where it's like if I don't maybe kind of how motherhood has been for you or early motherhood was for me, you don't train now, it's never. <laughs> right. It's like that's your window, doesn't matter how you feel, going out the door. Right. And so And that actually, like, it gave me a sense of, I I feel like that I had moments of like, A, like training breakthroughs where I was tougher than I thought I was, but also I would see things like I remember seeing, you know, the sunrise on a Scottish hillside one time and just absolutely knowing that I never would have been out the door that early if I didn't have to like be in my office working at my PhD by nine o'clock in the morning. And so I never would have seen that sunrise and I saw it you know, probably every day during my run, you know, over the course of the winter because of, because of that, because I was forced to. So, so there can be kind of beauty in that, you know? 
Yeah. I I don't know. Yesterday, I dropped off the kid and then went for a bike ride in the pouring rain. And I'm like, oh, back in the day, I would have waited until <laughs> waited. the rain stops. I'm like, there, I didn't see any positive, you know, of riding in the rain other than I just got it done because I had to. Um, so you don't ju- you don't jump on the trainer. You had no, there was no beautiful sunrise. No, no. To- <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for a rainbow just to like, you know, bring it all together and make it worthwhile. And like, no, it was just more rain. It's not. Just so not. <laughs> well, sometimes it's sunrises and sometimes it's just getting shit done, I guess. Cool. Okay. Um, coming up on the show, we have a voicemail from a from an inside feisty. Uh, we're going to talk about girls' bikes, is triathlon tanking, and 50 women in Kona. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, Hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy. And I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's IRONWOMEN, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, IRONWOMEN1515 at orca.com. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 230 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. 
Okay, so Sarah, we got a voicemail from um, my colleague here at uh, at Feisty. Let, let's have a listen. Okay, Sarah and Sarah, now you're in for a real treat. You not only get to hear me, you can potentially see me as well. So I sent Sarah my rant uh, that I had. This is Catherine from uh, Team Feisty, if you don't know who this is. And I was bike shopping uh, with my little niece, who's six and a half, this past weekend. And just a background on Lydia, she learned to bike when she was three and a half, like from her Strider bike. So she was riding with no pedals, jumping off curves, like going out on five or six mile rides when she was three and four. And she is a big fan of Kate Courtney. Like she sees Kate and she says, oh my gosh, she's amazing. How can I be like her? Like, what's that going to take? So she has outgrown her her little uh, 16 inch bike. And we went in to check out bikes this past weekend at the bike shop because Santa is probably going to bring her a new bike. Now she was in a 16 inch. So now she'll go up to a 20 inch which kids, from what I understand, I do not have children, but kids in the 20 inch bike can ride that bike probably for three to four years, depending on what their growth spurts look like. So being somebody that um, is going from a single speed, but at that age, she should probably start to learn how to use gears, maybe not this year, but in the future years. And it should be an option. So we went in, I won't say it on the podcast, but this is a very, very well-known brand. And I happen to know that this brand also owns their supply chain. So because they're such a large brand, they own the majority of the supply chain. And I'm just going to show you all. You'll be able to see which one it is, which brand it is. So we go in to the shop. And of course, she sees this bike, which is pink and purple. And she's so excited about it because even though she loves to ride her bike and run and play at the beach and do really outdoorsy stuff. She also loves her Barbies and she loves pink and purple. So you can see this is her dream bike. It is pink. It is purple with pink accents. Immediately she went to this bike. So we start talking to the very nice gentleman at the bike shop and find out this bike of all the pre-calibers. Oh, sorry. I just said the bike brand. Oh, well, Of all the bikes in her size, this one pink and purple bike is the only one that does not come with gearing on it. So you can see here are all the other bikes that come with gearing. And they're all colors that as a girl who really likes, you know, the pinks and the purples, she was like, eh. Now, there is one that has some pink and purple accents. I actually think this is a really rad looking bike but it was not available in the store for viewing and they did not show it to us, but it's still a black bike with some pink and purple accents instead of this really fun pink and purple little bike that she wants. And, and also you'll notice like, here's the boys bikes without gearing. And both of those options are also available in the seven speed gearing. And it just frustrates me that we are talking to girls and giving them these amazing role models like Kate Courtney, but then we're not giving them the tools in the way that that they want that or that the way that they think is fun to, to be able to do those things and to go for those dreams. So that is my little rant. I know she could have any color she wants, but, and there's not a quote unquote girl color or boy color, but she's at that age where she just wants what she wants. 
and she can't have an option to have what she wants and something that would suit somebody that she's emulating. So I've been really frustrated about it. I wanted to pass my rant along to you. So I feel like this topic of girls and boys bike, we've, we've heard about girls and boys bikes and colors in the past, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It brings out, I have opinions, but it seems to get people riled up. Okay. So I'm going to throw in a curveball here. Ooh, I like your curveballs. Okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, what if it's, what if it's not a gendered thing? What it's just like the popularity of that color scheme isn't as great as the popularity has nothing to do with girls or boys it's just pure like we're not selling as many in the pink and purple uh with the the 10 speed or whatever she was saying so we're just not going to produce as you know many in those that color scheme and where i'm going from this is that The whole like pink and blue thing, it's a relatively new thing. Do you know anything about the history of why girls are pink and boys? I saw a post about it. I can't really remember the details, but I do remember it used to be the opposite that boys were pink. Well, strong color. Like even even at the start of the 20th century, babies were always wearing white dresses. Like that was kind of the default. Like you put little boys, little girls little babies in white dresses with like lace collars and stuff Mm -hmm. and then they started to dress them in pastels in the beginning of the 20th century and just somewhere along the line like it was pre-world war ii it just ended up being categorized blue and pink but there was a period of time where like some advertisers were trying to say that you know pink is the most masculine of the the pastels Mm -hmm. um and trying to sell it that way but it's just you know the consumers decided at a certain point and it got it just blew up with uh you know the the advent of um of sex testing in utero uh where because of course like consumerism and people wanting to buy stuff like it just all this got more and more deeply entrenched. So I'm going to flip it and say, maybe it has nothing to do with being a girl's bike or boy's bike. It's just a bike that people don't like that color scheme. But I'm just playing devil's advocate because I don't actually believe that. I'm going to I'm gonna throw a curveball at your curveball. Oh, yes. Do I'm it. Double curveball you. <laughs> because... This is what we hear often. Like, I know why you're, where you're coming from with that curveball, because this is what, you know, how many times have I heard this? Well, we just don't sell enough, you know, bikes with 650 wheels that actually fit women. So therefore we can't afford to make them. Right. But that's like a completely, if you believe that as a company, that's a, that, that kind of reinforces like where you choose to do your marketing and who you like who you as a company believe is a cyclist actually drives what you're spending your marketing dollars on, who you're aiming at, et cetera, et cetera. So if I'm willing to bet you that if you did a big marketing campaign around this amazing seven speed pink bike, you know, that was designed for the next, you know, this is the next female, you know, world champion mountain biker age seven, like that you would get uptake on it. So I think it's like self perpetuating within the industry too, like those kinds of things. So like, 
it, I think it can be both. And like, you can be like, Hey, we didn't sell enough pink bikes with them, with gears on them. Right. Just like, did you try to sell them? Did you really, did you believe you were going to sell them? So no, I, I'm totally with you. I just wanted to try to, you know, like throw, throw a wrench in the cog there. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, the problem is a lot of these bike manufacturers, let's be honest, it's a very male driven industry. And I think it would be helpful for them to have more women making decisions Mm -hmm. in bike companies, because I would not be surprised some of these places it's like 80% men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, totally. And still, you know, like cycling, cycling's an interesting one because, you know, we have a, like our girls gone gravel brand, which actually is run by Catherine who just sent the voicemail and like, it's because it's new, you know, it's just a newer sport, quote unquote, even though people have been riding gravel since the beginning of bikes, but like it's a new, it's newer as a sport and it's more, it tends to be more inclusive. Like the races tend to be a, a more inclusive space in terms of every kind of inclusion, gender inclusion, race, but also like that sense that like a beginner can belong there too, versus road cycling, which is kind of entrenched in those old, those more old fashioned. So it's like in road cycling, we still have podium girls, right? But in gravel, they have like a non-binary category in a lot of the races. It's like, like the complete opposite of, in terms of, I don't know what you would call that, um, cultural, like (laughs) cultural things around gender. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, just as a counterpoint. Hmm. So for the past, for in recent years, they have a podium man as well as the podium lady. So it's not just podium girls anymore. Like you watch the tour. Yeah. Like the yeah. Tour de France had like a man and a woman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And is the man all just, is he all like handsome uh-huh. and dressed sexy? Of course. Well, oh, that's interesting. Find sexy. I don't know. Like, look at, he's looking good. He's, he's looking, looking dapper. Yeah. Okay. You know, a, a little eye candy, you know. Okay. Oh, well, I, podium. I, I, uh, retract my, <laughs> my previous comments. Cycling is upgrading its ways. Um, very gradually. Very gradually. And at a glacial pace. Um, <laughs> also, they had to get special permission at the Tour de France Femmes race for the, for the women to ride what was it 170 odd k's or something because officially women were still not allowed to ride that distance because they it's felt that they weren't capable <laughs> which is like how can you not change that rule i don't even understand when there's literally the evidence is everywhere like yeah yeah we've no, all it's... we've all ridden more than 170 k <laughs> like... it's it's so ridiculous um but yeah i'm I hope that Catherine's niece was able to find a bike in the color that she wants mm-hmm. with a different manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't su- don't support them, Catherine's niece. Don't support <laughs> this company that doesn't have a you know a color scheme in with the gearing you want. Yeah, exactly. Don't compromise. Yep, totally, <laughs> totally. Um. Okay. And Sarah, I brought this up last week. We didn't quite get to it, but um, I wanted to comment on this because I like, I'm hearing in a lot of places and it's been, this has been a few years in the making, but like during COVID, I think triathlon got its hopes up because lots of people were buying bikes 
and taking up ultra running, stuff like that, things that they could control. And I think that as a sport, there was this hope that um, that was going to mean a return to racing for everyone. And I think from what I've seen, just having conversations with people going into Kona, especially with long course racing, but I think kind of across the board, like triathlon is still struggling as a sport to bring in new people um, and also to keep people because I was, ha- I was actually having this conversation with someone just now that like, you know, in, I don't know, my generation, I'm 46. Like we used to consider ourselves triathletes. Like people would be lifers, mm. you know, and there's a, there's a now a new generation that does kind of the one and done, or they want to do one triathlon once in a while. They don't, they're not necessarily dedicated, committed to the training. Like we, like we were, um, so I don't know. What do you think is triathlon tanking? I would love to see the numbers. Mm. Like I, I don't know enough about the industry, um, but I know it's, it's not just triathlon that is struggling. So a lot of kind of the more established races uh, in other sports too, like they're just people, I think people kind of stepped away, took a break from whatever their, their thing was and realize that they didn't have to sign up for it. Like mm-hmm. you get out of that routine. Um, I think people are turning a little bit on, uh, you know, Iron Man. Mm. So I, who knows about triathlon as an industry, but I know Iron Man's hurting. Uh, we talked about Iron Man Canada and the numbers. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common thing right now is just that they're not doing great. They're not growing. People are a little burnt out on the brands. I would like to think that there is still room for kind of those grassroots community events mm-hmm. um, and maybe some competition for Ironman, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of the idea of doing a triathlon festival? Like where you have not just like multi-day. We I know we have festivals where there's multiple events where you have like a running race, a swim race, a this race. But what if you had like swim clinics, like bike skills clinics, and choose a wetsuit clinics and bike maintenance clinics, and then also had uh, or transition practice, but then also had some little either racing or things where you're just like going through the motions together as a group with people. Um, what do you think? I, I don't know about the clinic type stuff, but I still think the festival type, the trap on festival idea is so good. And we really could focus more on that. So this, this past weekend, I was just in Bentonville for something like that. Um, mm. It was a, a, a fundraiser for MS and I, I got so much energy from being there. Uh, it was a different kind of feel than I've had at a race for a very, very long time. Uh, on Friday, there was a kid's race. And then I think like a, a clinic afterwards, maybe Saturday, there was a sprint race and a super sprint race. Sunday, there was an Olympic distance race. All these were pool swims. People were out there on their mountain bikes or their TT bikes, everything in between. You know, I think all together it was 1,500 people. There are 300 kids. 
Uh, it, it just very much a family friendly event. You didn't have to be super fit because, you know, say the kid, your, you, your kid could do a, the race on Friday. If you're just a casual exerciser, you could do the super sprint the next day. And maybe if there's somebody really fit in your family who wants to do the Olympic distance, you know, great. But like mm-hmm. everybody had something there for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I feel like those sorts of things, the longstanding community pillar type races, um, it would be nice to see more of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't wonder. So I think my addition like when I say clinics and stuff like yeah. that, I'm imagining like a big expo. Yeah. Where like people could go this and like maybe brands are even putting them on. Like a bike brand is maybe doing like the bike maintenance clinic so that people can come like and get that kind of help too. I feel like that would be like a value add for the weekend instead of just showing up and doing your event and then leaving. Like give people a reason to hang out or have just like someone's giving a talk or there's like a panel of athletes and you're having drinks and hanging out and having hot dogs or vegan hamburgers. I would, I would say we could have more party involved. More party. Yeah. More party. After, after the last, this, you know, this race I just went to, if they had like a beer tent, a beer garden and a band, yes. you know, so how do we bring the party back to triathlon? That should, the, the, the segment should not be called is triathlon tanking. It should be called Does Triathlon Need More Party? Does Triathlon Need More Getting Tanked? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I would argue it. yes. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my gosh. If we race race organizers who are struggling just call us we'll give you we'll give you your solutions and your marketing materials right here <laughs> oh man but to be actually on our podcast next week we can ask about the numbers because oh we have a special guest next week special guest next week who can tell us whether triathlon as an industry is hurting oh yeah okay let's let's earmark that one for next week for and sure. we'll ask her if she would like to get tanked after a triathlon <laughs> i know that the answer is yes <laughs> bonus points for anyone who can guess who our guest is next week and she better show up now that we've mentioned this <laughs> amazing Okay, let's take a little break, and then we're going to talk about some Iron Man trademarks and 50 Women in Kona. The fastest path to living healthier, longer, starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. 
All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker, health analysis, and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. All right, Sarah, it sounds like you've been working on a little little project here. Tell us about it. I have, okay, I, this starts as how I told you how we're doing a 10-part podcast, live podcast series in Kona. You didn't tell me it was this. 10 part. No. So it's, I think it's, yeah, it's 10 parts in Kona. We got sponsors on board. We're going and we're recording the show and doing all kinds of like social media stuff with it, right? And we called the show 50 Women in Kona, right? No, we didn't. We called it the women of Kona. Sorry, I apologize. And then we were like having a brainstorming storming meeting next week, last week about what shirts we were going to order for it and whether we should try to sell any of those shirts to anyone in advance. People wanted shirts. And we I came up with the idea of having shirts to say 50 women in Kona, emphasis on the in, as opposed to 50 women to Kona, which was our campaign from 2015. And and with the hibiscus flower. And we designed these shirts. Like so this happened so fast. We were like, boom, boom, it was out the door. Right. Like, and then we, so we decided. And then on Monday night, Monday was a holiday. Monday night, I woke up like in the dead of the night. And I sat up and I was like, oh shit, Iron Man owns a trademark for the word Kona. Oh, but it's the name of the town. It's the name of the town. But if you use the word Kona in reference to like an endurance event, namely their endurance event, they own the trademark. But so do the they brand own this trademark for 50 women. The brand, the brand. <laughs> <laughs> we should have bought that. That would have been a hilarious. Although that they would have had me bitching about it endlessly on podcasts. But like, okay, so and the reason I know this is because I've heard from so many brands who were like, you know, they used to put, so for example, like they would put Kona 2022 on their kits, and that would be like a big selling point for people who would buy gear in Kona at the expo because they'd be they'd be like oh I want this to commemorate their you know and, and I think Iron Man just decided they part of the reason I'm guessing is because they wanted to own the commemorative gear market mm. I'm guessing this is part of the reason behind trademarking I went through so I sat yesterday I scrolled through 652 trademarks of Kona to see what Iron Man own. <laughs> they, they do own a specific trademark. But like the wording on it was like, for my purposes, for having a live podcast show and a shirt that says 50 women in Kona, I still had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. so then I had, to, I was like, do I call, like I was having this conversation with one of my team members who actually went to business school. I'm like, did you do a law course? Like, do you know anything? You know? And then they're like, do I actually call my lawyer, like, do I actually pay money to find this out? Or do we just do shirts to save 50 women and call it a day? Whatever. So I just kind of was like, I don't know what to do. Just kind of left it. But we had to make a decision because the email had already gone out and people were already buying these shirts. So if we're going to, if we were going to call it, we had to. So at like nine o'clock last night, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to email Andrew Messick and say, we're making these shirts. Is it a problem? 
right? Like the only problem. <laughs> and so I did that. And he wrote back this morning and he was like, it's totally fine as long as you don't sell them in the expo. Oh. Uh-huh. So first of all, he okay. got back to me right away. I was very happy about that. Yeah. 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 So now we have our 50 women in Kona shirts. I feel confident. I didn't ask him about the show name, but I feel confident that if he's okay with the shirts, yeah. he's going to be okay with this, like, with the show name and that won't interfere with their trademark and whatever the reasons are for trademarking. Um, so there you go. So now I know that it's just in the expo. You can't sell things during the race that you can't sell things that say Kona on them. Perfect. Referencing the race. Yeah. So, so you, you just know. need to be outside the expo, like set up a booth somewhere, you know, like 500 meters away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, you said not in the booth. Well, they can do it right beside the, their headquarters. The side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a backpack full of 50 women in Kona shirts. Hey, hey, you want a Kona shirt? <laughs> you like my this. shirt? You want the money? I have some. 20 bucks. So <laughs> it's actually 30 bucks. So no, the reality, actually in reality, I'm hoping not to take any stock to Kona and just deal with only podcasting in Kona. But the shirts are for if anyone wants one or like it want or is going to Kona in particular and wants to wear them, they can be they're on our website, but you gotta order them in the next like today. This this episode will come out Friday the 9th. So you gotta order it pretty much now or over the weekend. Um because and we do have a code. You can check our social media at Pisces Triathlon. There's a code for 15% off there too. Um, I think it's Iron Women 15. Um, anyway, if anyone wants to sport a 50 women in color shirt in Kona, we have them. But yeah, I thought that was like, I was like solving legal problems without paying a lawyer. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew Messick, for getting back to you that quickly. It's good that you you have a longstanding relationship with him <laughs> and it didn't go straight to the spam. It folder. was a bit random. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're like buddies. <laughs> it was a bit like two years later out of the blue. I just go, hey. <laughs> I even sent him a screenshot of the shirt. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing Ellen designed it. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. I'll have to yeah. check it out. It's fun for me too, to think like back then we didn't, you know, like um, smash, like smash us queen. They made some shirts. Car made some shirts. He said 50 women to Kona. Um, but I'm like, Hey, now I have, I literally have a designer in house working for us who could just during a meeting throw together and we were like wow that's really great so awesome well i can't wait to check it out i hope other people do and stay tuned for our special guest next week we hope she will still be around otherwise it's going to be very awkward None of you people can tell me to stop My town, my crown We know what it takes to be reaching the top We're reaching the top We're reaching the top We know what it takes to be reaching the top